Hello and welcome back to There's More to the Story. We are on season one, episode four already. I can't believe it. Time's flying. Today's episode is World War II espionage. So buckle up. Get ready for some out of this world spy stories and have fun. fun to do an episode on World War II espionage because when we talk about the world wars we mainly talk about the battles and we kind of skip over espionage completely and there's so much to it and it's so interesting. I figured it deserved a time to shine and Remembrance Day was recently so I thought it would also be in tune with the last couple of weeks and what everyone's been talking about. So I'm not going to give any context on World War II because that was recent enough that all of you should know what was going on. And if you don't, then just please Google for the love of God. Uh, but I do want to briefly mention some famous spies from the World War, from the Second World War, that no one really talks about, even though I, I have no idea why. It's like we all know about Ian Fleming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You created James Bond. Cool guy. Whatever. But no one talks about how Julia Child worked in intelligence and the, you know, chef that we know and love and have seen in Julia and Julia with Meryl Streep was in fact in intelligence working for the Americans during the World War, which is mind-blowing. Also, our favorite childhood author who wrote Matilda and Witches and James and the Giant Peach, Mr. Roald Dahl, was also in intelligence so it's just, you've got this like a huge range of people that you never thought, oh, Josephine Baker, hello. Uh, so you've just got this like very diverse group of people who were all working in an intelligence. And I'm not saying they were like out sabotaging and like behind enemy lines, but they were doing like the little things, the things that you don't really think about, but still need to get done. Like... American propaganda by the British in America being like, hey, you guys need to join the war. This is a good cause. Stuff like that. No one really talks about it, which is surprising because you've got all of these people working behind the scenes and no one ever talks about it. Uh, but today we're going to talk about my two favorite World War II espionage stories, at least on the ally side. I can do the axes another time, but we're going to do the allies today. So the first one is called Aunt Jemima. Yes, I know you're instantly thinking pancakes. So am I. But that's actually kind of what they were going for. So the OSS was the precursor to the CIA. So they were around during World War II, and they were responsible for all of the American spying and intelligence and counterintelligence. Uh, so the OSS was supplying explosives to Chinese resistance fighters who were fighting against Japan. And these explosives had to be able to pass through a bunch of checkpoints. So you couldn't really give them a box that said warning explosives. So they had to come up with a way to smuggle these explosives behind enemy lines and how to get them in without anyone noticing. So what they did was they 
found an explosive and like tweaked it so it would, you know, work out. They found an explosive that looked like flour. So this explosive, there's like some fancy schmancy scientific name for it. We're just going to call it Aunt Jemima for sanity's sake. So Aunt Jemima looked like flour and tasted like flour. Like you could bake it. So if you were stopped and they were like, we don't believe that's flour, you could literally bake it into a bread and it wouldn't explode. So everyone was like, oh shit, didn't explode. Must not be an explosive because it's been in a hot oven. It would have blown by now. But they engineered it so that it wouldn't explode even when it was baked. And just like think about how genius that is. So not only could this explosive be baked, it could not be eaten because it was an explosive and you would be sick as a dog for like three days and almost die. But they ended up, if they had to bake it and they had to fool someone and they were, you know, getting irritated with the guy who was making them bake the bread and giving them a hard time about smuggling explosives, uh, they would be like, here, try some. Like, look, we tried some, except, you know, homeboy, the guard, the soldier, the officer, whoever it was, would be stupid enough to eat the bread and be like, this tastes fine. And they would be sick as a dog for three days. So it was like a double whammy. Like you could really get them with the flour that was not flour, but also would blow up an entire building and level it to the ground. Anyway, I just found out about this in history class. I took a course on the history of espionage and my prof was the coolest guy ever. So he was telling us this and like my jaw literally dropped because I was like, this is so cool. And the fact that the Americans called it Aunt Jemima, it's just like icing on the cake. I'm like, where's the maple syrup? Like, this is just fantastic. So that is just a quick little tidbit that I thought would be really cool because no one ever knows about it. But that was the appetizer of the episode. So for the main of this episode, we are going to be talking about Operation Mincemeat. So Operation Mincemeat took place in 1943, and it was run by British intelligence, so MI5, basically. And what Operation Mincemeat was, it was a plan to distract the Germans. The Allies were planning on invading Sicily, and they needed to divert the Germans elsewhere. So they, MI5, found a body of a gentleman, and... They looked very long and hard for this body, but let's not get into that because it's quite gruesome and a little bit odd and makes you unsettled. Anyway, so they found a body of a homeless man and they turned this individual into Captain William Martin. Captain William Martin was not a real person in the army, was not a real captain, uh, So they created this entire persona for him. They went so far as getting a secretary at MI5 to pose for a picture as his girlfriend. There was a receipt for an engagement ring in his pockets. Uh, There was a letter from his father, from his fake father, from his fake family lawyer, from the bank. They had love letters from the girlfriend. They also had... ID cards, which one of the MI5 
officers carried around in his pocket for three weeks to make sure it looked like used and wasn't brand new. So, which is just insane. Like, think about that. They thought about that. Would you have thought of that? No. So they had all of these receipts, all of these photos, all of these letters uh, indicating that this person was in fact a real person. They even had fake letters between uh, government officials and like captains and soldiers and admirals in the army. And what those letters said was basically like, oh yeah, we're going to be attacking Greece and Sardinia. When in fact, they were going to be attacking Sicily. But they wrote these letters because they knew exactly what was going to happen. So, exactly what happened is as follows. So, they planted all of these information, like all of this information and all of this stuff in this guy's pockets. And they take his body and put it in a submarine. The submarine then swims down to the coast of Spain. And in Spain, they release the body into the water. The body washes up on shore. It's found by some Spanish fishermen who hand it off to their local authorities, and the body kind of goes up the chain of command. And it eventually gets to the hotshots in Spain, which examine the pockets and examine the briefcase that was on the body. So everyone's investigating, and they get nosy and open, obviously, just like the Brits were planning. Spaniards get nosy, they open it, they pass on the letters to the Germans. The Germans see it and freak out because they're like, oh my god, there's an attack coming on Greece and Sardinia, we're not ready. So they, the Germans tried to manipulate everything to make it look like it hadn't been opened, when in fact it had been, to op- had been opened. So the Germans return everything back to the Spain. Spain then sends it off to England. And in England, they knew what was going to happen. So they kept an eye out and uh, at Bletchley Park where they were decoding all of the messages that were coming through. So Bletchley Park successfully decoded a message saying that basically the Germans bought it. The Germans were now thinking that there was going to be an attack on... Uh, oh my God an attack on Greece and Sardinia. So they freak out. They divert their troops. In the meantime, the Brits are, you know, sitting back, chuckling to themselves. In order to make sure that they 100% knew that the Germans had gone through these letters, they planted a single eyelash in one of the fake letters from this captain to a general in the army saying that they, you know, they were going to attack. So they put a single eyelash in one of the letters, and that's basically one of the big things and how they found out that the Germans had, in fact, looked at everything. And then at Bletchley Park, they decoded the message. So long story short, simplify this, because I know there's a lot going on. Uh, Brits find body. Brits dress body up as a army captain with fake intel. Brits then dump body off coast of Spain. Spain takes body to Germany. Well, not to Germany, to the Germans. The Germans then take all of this fake intel, think it's real, freak out, give the body back to Spain, who then gives the body back to England. In the meantime, 
Germans are freaking out because there's going to be an invasion and they got to get ready for it. In the meantime, England is sitting, leaning back, chuckling to themselves and preparing to invade, but they are not invading Greece and Sardinia, where the Germans think they're invading. They are invading in Sicily. So Germany sends all of its people over to Greece. There's no major attack. In the meantime, there is a major attack on Sicily, which the Allies win and get their like hold back on Southern Europe. So legend has it. I say legend because this whole plan is genius to me and the name is fantastic. Anyway, legend has it that after Hitler found out that they got duped by the British, he was livid, like out of his mind livid. And it was such a blow to his ego that next time the Germans received intelligence saying that there was going to be an attack, he didn't believe them. That attack was D-Day. Hitler found out D-Day was going to happen and said, bullshit, I'm not letting them screw with me again, and didn't send reinforcements. And then D-Day happened, and we won that too. So, moral of the story... Hitler sucks and lost because of his ego, but also moral of the story, MI5 is brilliant. It was all of the little details on the body and how he was dressed and the receipts and they were all, they had thought of everything and just the way they planned it out was so genius because they just, you know, Spain had performed an autopsy on quote unquote Captain William Martin and it was they all they concluded was that he drowned. They found him in the ocean. No one was looking at his real cause of death. No one was going to second guess anything. He was dressed like a military man, had the credentials on him, had the letters going to like Louis Mountbatten, Mountbatten and he just had everything. So no one thought to look at it any further. And it ended up being one of the best like. I'm going to say pranks because it makes me so happy that Germany lost and that Hitler was so mad about it. One of the best pranks, in my opinion, that the British pulled on Germany. Like, Hitler's ego was so wounded by this that he didn't believe D-Day would happen. Like, if you think about it, if his ego wasn't as big as it was and he believed that D-Day was going to happen and send reinforcements, we would probably not be living in the world we're living in today things would be very different but because of his thick-headed ego we won the war everything is okay and that is that i really hope you guys enjoyed this episode honestly i could go on and on and on i didn't even get into the cambridge five or bill donovan there's just like so many things you can talk about with intelligence because everything is so hush-hush, and it's still hush-hush. Half of these documents aren't declassified, or they're redacted. So when you hear something, and when you can talk about something like this, it's spectacular to get to talk about it, because no one ever does. Everyone's, and rightfully so, everyone's always worried about Vimy Ridge, and Vimy Ridge was the wrong war. I'm sorry, you know what I mean, though. Everyone's always worried about these big, giant battles in Pearl Harbor, and it's just, you forget that there was thousands and thousands of people 
behind the scenes trying to sabotage your every move. Like they would send out intelligence and then they would send out counterintelligence and then you'd have to decode that. It was so intricately woven and no one ever talks about it that I feel like it's only fair to talk about it. It's also very satisfying to hear that Aunt Jemima was used to provide Japanese resistance fighters with explosives and just like the names it's just so legendary in my opinion but that is just me i hope you guys enjoyed this episode uh there is going to be some episode notes for you on there's more to the history.wordpress.com uh you know where to find me my emails on there my social media is on there if you have any questions or any episode requests or just want to talk about like war history more with me let me know i'm game i hope you guys had a great week i hope you have another great week and i'll see you around